0: I am Pastor Craig, and I am thrilled that y'all came out tonight um, to be a part of this most holy night of the year and to uh, celebrate Christmas with us. Um, I'm wondering how many of you um, came because you saw this. This is the uh, postcard that um, we developed to invite people to um, the Christmas series that we have been um, sharing in here at Prairie Bible Church during the month of December, and I think it's beautiful actually, and, and it's actually I I think it's beautifully purposeful, and I use those words intentionally. The imagery on there um, was designed specifically for this season and for this uh, sermon series. You'll notice that the uh, the image of the the manger is the central theme, um, of course, was. Uh, the place where God would become a human being, the place where he would first lay his head in a, uh, as a babe laying in a manger, right? But the thing I really want to draw your attention to is um, that DNA helix that's right above the manger. We, we, we created a very similar uh, image over here. It's a little hard to see in this light. Um, the purpose of the DNA helix is a little more nuanced. Um, The reason why we have that hovering above the uh, manger is because during this season, what we have been doing is we have been exploring some of the stories of the people whose DNA God used to bring Christmas into existence. And, of course, Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth, right? Right? Uh, if you've been with us at all during this season, you'll know that, that some of the folks that God used to bring uh, Christmas into existence were kind of a hot mess, right? Uh, they were, they were um, sinful, broken, lonely, hopeless people in a lot of ways. Now, you might ask the question, why would God choose the DNA of people like that to bring Christmas into existence? Well, Um, I suppose there are a variety of reasons that could be given, but I'll tell you why I think God chose the DNA of these broken people to bring Christmas to us. It's because God wanted to create kind of like a genealogical map or a proof text, if you will. Maybe that's a better way to put it. God wanted to show through the genealogy of Jesus that there is nothing that you can do or be that will keep him from loving you. Nothing. There are a lot of people who are convinced that uh, because of the life that they live, because of the things that they've done, or maybe the things that they're doing, they are convinced that God couldn't love them. Nothing could be further from the truth. And that's one of the reasons why God chose the people that he did to bring Christmas into the world. Well, tonight, I want to tell you one last story of of... one of Jesus' ancestors, one of his great-great-great-great-grandfathers, if you will, um, who I think is the perfect example of someone who is loved, but who is sinful, lost, and hopeless at times as well. I want to tell you the story tonight of David. There are lots of stories in the Bible about David, lots of them that you're aware of. Some of my favorite, one of my probably my favorite story about David that you find in the Bible is when he was a little boy, right? When he was a little boy and he he uh, he slew the giant Goliath with a with a slingshot with a, a a child's toy, really. And that little boy would would grow to become a man who would be king of Israel, right? But probably the thing that that David would be most proud of today if you were standing here in front of you, the thing that he became known for was that he, um, throughout history, has been referred to as a man after God's own heart. He loved God, and God loved him. But that's not the entirety of David's story. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, you find this story about David. There in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, in the spring of the year when kings would often go off to war, David didn't. Oh, he sent his, he sent his army off to war, but he stayed home in Israel. And it was during this time when he was home, when he should have been off at war like the rest of his people, that a very beautiful woman named Bathsheba caught his eye. And that was the instant, that was the moment that things began to be put into motion that changed everything. That moment when he noticed this beautiful woman led to lust, which led to adultery, which led to a lot of scheming and lying. And that scheming and lying ultimately led to the death of an innocent man. All because of David. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition, isn't it, between the story of the, the hero king and this broken, sinful human being. And those stories, the juxtaposition of those stories cause us, or it should cause us, to ask the question, why would God use someone like that to bring us Christmas? Was it because in one sense of the word he, he represented the best of humanity? I mean, he was a, he was a hero king, right? Right? That's kind of cool. Was that the reason why God chose him? Nope. On the other hand, his sin and his brokenness didn't exclude him from being used by God to bring his Christmas either. This is what you need to know about God. This is what you need to know about David. It really wasn't about him. It was about God. God chooses who God wants to fulfill his purpose. He's done that forever and ever. But in all actuality, there was a reason why God chose uh, David to be part of the lineage of Christmas. And there was a reason why God chose um, an immigrant named Ruth to bring us Christmas. And there was a reason why God chose a prostitute named Rahab to bring Christmas into existence. And there was a reason why God yo chose a, um, a jealous, envious younger brother named Jacob. And there was a reason why God chose a coward named Abraham. These, all these people that God used their DNA to bring Christmas into existence, all these people had two things in common. They were all broken, lost, and sinful people. But more importantly, all these broken, lost, and sinful people Chose to have faith in the one that loved them unconditionally, God. It was because of their faith that they could find hope in the midst of their brokenness. It was because of their faith in the one true God that they could find healing in the midst of their mess. It was because faith that they could find mercy and, and grace and salvation. It was because they put their faith and their trust in the one who loved them so much that he would leave his throne in heaven and come down to earth as a baby lying in a manger who would grow to be a man, who would die on a cross, who would rise again on the third day, gaining victory over sin and death, and offering hope and healing and mercy and grace and salvation to anyone who would put their faith and their trust in him. There is nothing that you could do or be that could possibly make that God stop loving you. He would do anything, go anywhere, and sacrifice everything for you. It's hard to believe that sometimes, isn't it? in the midst of the brokenness and the darkness of the world in which we live. It's hard to believe that sometimes, but it's the truth. And here, darkness is a strange thing. It can feel so pervasive, right? But here's what's interesting about darkness. All it takes is just a small light to pierce the darkness. And 2,000 years ago on this night, God sent a light, this little baby born in a manger, and it pierced the darkness. Bringing hope, grace, salvation, mercy to you and to them. And it is your privilege if you have chose to put your faith in this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it is your privilege to share His light with the world. You're thinking, well, I'm willing to try. But I'm just one person. Can I really make a difference? Well, I'm going to demonstrate for you tonight that you can. Uh, I'm going to ask those of you that were whatever lights we got on if you had turned those off right now and I'm going I'm to invite you all while they're turning the, lights, the rest of the lights off I'm going to invite you to do something with me this evening. Um, I'm going to I want to demonstrate for you. I want you to participate with me in a demonstration that shows how one single light together with the light of another and of another and another can not only pierce the darkness, but can drive the darkness out. You see, when we make the excuse that I'm just one person, I really can't make a difference, I really can't um, share enough light with the world to make a difference, I'm going to show you tonight. we are going to demonstrate together that, that we're not alone. And then when we take hold of this, this um, calling, Together we can push back the darkness and change the world. This evening what I'd like you to do as we conclude our service is I'd like you to uh, um, sing with me Silent Night. We'll have the words up here on the screen. And as we sing the song together, what I want to do is I'm going to light my candle. You should have all got a little candle when you came in. Once you take those out, don't light them yet. But I want you to take those out, and when we start to sing, I'm going to light my candle, and then I'm going to walk up the aisle here, and as I walk up the aisle, I want you, your aisle, to turn your lights on, okay? And as we're singing that song, Silent Night, I want you to start looking around, and I want, first of all, I want you to imagine, just look around you now as the darkness kind of pervades, the space that we're in, as we turn each of our individual lights on during this song. Notice how the darkness is driven out by the light of Christ in you. Are you ready? You go ahead and put the words up there, Mark. Silent
1: night Holy night oh you <laughs> Lord So... i Your is born.
0: Once you to look around, you can see the faces of the people next to you, maybe for the first time tonight. <laughs> I it actually there's a holy glow in the room. And this is the illustration of what it means to be Jesus to the world. You see, we were never called to do this by ourselves. We were called to do this together. And when we do it together, something beautiful is created. Something that the world, I think, couldn't help but yearn for and want to be a part of if we do it right. And tonight, we've done it right. So, look around, take a snapshot in your mind, remember that you're not alone. That each of these lights represent the light of Christ in all of us. And it represents the calling that we have to bring the light of Christ into a very dark and needy world.